You're a witch. You're going to hurt him. I see a darkness in you. And in that darkness, eyes staring back at me. Brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes. Eyes you'll shut forever. We will meet again. And we're back to talk about episode three of Game of Thrones final season, The Long Night. And as always, this will be a spoiler-ridden podcast, so if you haven't watched the episode yet, turn back and watch the episode and come back later. So, this was the longest episode of Game of Thrones ever. I think it's going to be the longest episode in general. I think even the next episodes are going to be a little shorter. Not by much, but this was the the end-all, be-all battle for the fate of humanity. And everything, it really did last just one night. It was a very long night. It was a very long battle. Hopefully, uh, those of you who watched it were able to get a slightly better picture than some of us were. Uh, If you watched it the first night, I think there were so many people streaming and watching it. I think a lot of people had problems with the visual at night, Mm -hmm. seeing details in the battle, which was a lot of complaints I've read about it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did watch it a little after the fact, and it seemed a little bit better, mm-hmm. like a couple days later. I didn't really notice it too much. After we watched During it. the first episode, I guess the only difficult parts to see were like the, the dragon scenes, because it was super dark, but I feel like that was the point of the, at least that scene. Yeah. But I do know that a lot of people were complaining that the whole episode was pretty dark. It was hard to see what was going on, which I think was a stylistic choice, but I think the way that HBO handles their streaming and all that stuff they just can't accommodate the uh, demand for the show oh yeah i'm sure it exceeded what their regular capacity is by far i know i've read that so yeah yeah i heard that like this episode actually beat the premiere mm-hmm. in terms of like number of viewers live and recorded yeah um so that's something but hbo has always done a pretty bad job of delivering their material over a pipeline that's sufficient to handle it yeah but the battle itself uh, Melisandre came back. Yeah. That was the basically one of the first things that happened. And I knew she was coming back because her name was in the credits. So I was just like, well, Melisandre's back. And it's probably cool. I guess it's better that they did that than just sort of not put her in the credits. Yeah, she didn't have a big part in it. I mean, she did in some ways. I mean, being able to relight the trench, that was v- very vital. I mean, mm-hmm. At least for a short while, it delayed the, the White Walkers yeah. and their army. Uh, well, she lit all the and she lit all the swords of the Dothraki, which was probably the best part of that early part of the battle is when you saw the, all their swords alight and them charging across mm-hmm. the field and looking from from John and Danny's perspective yeah. up on the mountain. That re- looked really awesome. Mm-hmm. And then Sally, they all went out very quickly, and that yeah. was like, wow, we just lost all our Dothraki. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of sad, actually. Yeah, just uh, and then some of them came back. Some did, yeah. Yeah, Jorah was part of that initial rush, yeah. Too, and uh, but it looked so impressive. You thought, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna clobber the. Uh, well, the only time that we've uh, seen them do that before, they did do that, like last season mm-hmm. when they were in that train sequence. The, the night they did, the, they did the that blue train, mm-hmm. and they did basically wipe just out, wipe everything out. Yeah, that was really impressive. And then, and that's what you thought you'd see again, but not this time. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, and then uh, after that, then the then the whites just basically started running, and mm-hmm. it was like zombie times like a hundred. They're just running 
yep. against everybody. Felt like a zombie show. And it was like <laughs> maybe about five, maybe ten minutes before they're like, yeah, let's get back to the castle instead of fighting them head on. And that's when Melisandre lit the trench, um, and that stopped him for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, something um, like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good battle. Like, you would expect, well, like, I would, I guess you could say, like, I think there's just so many different characters and, like, different, like, perspectives you had to see. Like, you didn't really get enough action per character. It was, like, very quick. No. It's like, let's, like, focus on Brienne and Jamie, and it's like, oh, let's switch to you only Sam and Ed. Oh, let's switch to yeah. John and Danny, see what they're looking at. Let's switch to uh, the Hound and Beric. It's just, like, very quick sequences of violence, just them fighting, and then shifting back to some other character. And you're like, okay, I guess that's what happens when you have, like, ten sort of POVs you have to keep track of. Oh, uh, more than that, I think, actually. And there are so many characters. Yeah, it might have been more, characters. but yeah. just, like, just a lot. Because, like, it went, there's, like, a lot of calm moments because there was well, there's the, the main flying, battle. Where they're flying around up in the clouds and, yep. they, and, then, and they can see the snowstorm coming on. You can't see anything, but they're trying to find out where the enemy is and mm-hmm. looking for Viserion, uh, the Night King's dragon. Yeah. And then um, also, like, the Theon and Bran stuff was pretty calm yeah. for for a little bit until... Until they finally got through. Until they figured out where Bran was. Right, in the grove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was a dragon battle, which was pretty cool. That was very good, yes. I did like that part. John's cape got ripped off. Yeah. Uh, so it was true from what the person from Incredibles said, was that capes are bad. Yeah. Specifically for that reason. <laughs> well, Viserion was, uh, I think, is the strongest of the three dragons and it, it certainly showed there uh, I think I think maybe probably because he's technically dead yeah. like he's able to withstand damage stuff because yeah. Drogon definitely killed him like you know killed quote unquote like got his neck basically but you know since he's already dead like he survived you saw all the flames coming out of his neck mm-hmm. after that happened like he couldn't really spit fire like the same way but after that it was definitely a kill shot for I sure. wonder if he was resurrected again like when when uh, the Night King raised up all the dead again in the middle of the know. battle there. Yeah, we didn't really see anything that, that happened. But I'm but not sure if you could raise tw- raise a character twice. Uh, it's never been established. Yeah, that I, they think die. That, I think they can. As long as you're destroyed by either the, the fire, uh, or, fire or the or the dragon mm. gla- the glass, you know. Yeah. So one of those two things I think mm-hmm. keeps you permanently dead. But yeah, but that was um, especially with the whites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that was another thing like. Uh, after the dragon battle, the Night King fell off the dragon, mm-hmm. and John fell off the dragon too. But Daenerys was still there, and Daenerys tried to, you know, let him on fire, but that did not work. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting to see that he can withstand dragon fire. It was clear, like the one of the episodes before, like you could see like the actual White Walkers walking through fire, so like they're immune to that kind of fire. But the whole thing about dragon fire and everything, it seemed like it would be a little different. Something that was never really explained all that well, mm-hmm. at least in the show. Very um, impressive how the Night King was able to resist it, though. Yep, yeah, he was. Uh, he gave a little, a little smirk. Yeah. At the end. Oh, he always has that <laughs> smug look on his face whenever he faces anybody because nothing mm-hmm. ever threatens him. Yeah. He had to find out the hard way that something could hurt him. <laughs> well, true, but like he was there, like at the at hard home. That's when John killed the one White Walker with the sword. That might have surprised him a little bit. Probably yeah. surprised him. He's like, oh. These things but like he was still recovered very quickly, and then he was very smug when he raised up all of John's dead and mm-hmm. added to his army and just let yeah. him know this is what it's going to be like every time he fights. Yeah, me, so. yeah, definitely. But I think 
Um, but they've always been like this, at least the White Walkers, you know, obviously they've been sort of like this looming presence. They've never really been like a threat threat because they've always laid back and let the, the whites do all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think after probably seeing the one guy go down with Valerian Steel, it just takes, you know, one shot, like, then you're gone. Right. And if, especially if, whether the Night King realized that if he goes down, like, the whole thing goes down, I guess it's a good strategy to stay back, especially if <clears throat> there's that kind of threat, especially all the dragon glass that they had. Right. So I think, you know, from a military standpoint, it's probably a good strategy for him to not do anything until he absolutely needs to. Oh, I think the Night King's strategy was, was okay for the, for the battle. I, I thought that our hero's strategy was not quite so great. Sending the Dothraki off to get slaughtered kind of was a little bit disappointed. Yeah. Because they didn't, they couldn't see what they're charging out. They just know mm-hmm. that the enemy's out there and they got slaughtered as a result. Yeah. Uh, the, the only ones who really impressed me in the fighting, besides the dragons, were the Unsullied. Yeah. They really held their lines mm-hmm. and fell back and, and, and saved time for everybody else to withdraw back into the castle. Mm-hmm. But once the castle was breached, it was just a free-for-all, everybody mm-hmm. fighting for their own lives kind of thing. Yeah. The, I mean, the lines were completely, seemed to be broken at that point. And uh, mm-hmm. it was, uh, I don't know, I've heard some other people say that they didn't think John's, <laughs> John did very much in the battle that was really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... I mean, his dragon fire was, I guess, but that's really his dragons doing yeah. that. I mean, he tried to go after the Night King, and then the Night King just kind of brushed him off and, you know, well, yeah. turned his back on him, basically. Well, yeah, after he raised all the yeah, other characters. Right, like, it's like, uh, wow. But, yeah, I think, you know, it kind of goes back, like Bran mentioned in the episode before, that the Night King will come after him. So I feel like, even though it wasn't necessarily explained as such, I feel like the whole point was just biding time yeah. for someone to, like... I to think bring the Night King to draw the Night King out. I think Bran knew the whole time. Yeah, I Bran think he, probably mm-hmm. did know, but I feel like you know it wasn't. It was sort of like softly implied that was what the strategy was, but it wasn't really like explicitly stated. Like no. we're just you know basically right. we're just we just need to find enough time so the Night King will bring himself out, try to kill Bran, and we'll hopefully be able to kill the Night King before he kills Bran. Well, well everything led to protecting, and it it didn't necessarily look that way at the time to protecting Arya from. Uh, What's his name? Uh, the Hound and Beric. and Beric, basically Beric giving his life mm-hmm. once more. As Melisandre said, you he has not, you mm-hmm. know, he has a purpose to serve, and this was his ultimate final purpose was to mm-hmm. keep her alive long enough so she could do her thing. Yeah, and it's and then same thing. The Hound was really helpful there too, as, mm-hmm. as much as once he overcame his fear of the fire and everything yeah. like that. It's always been an interesting so, relationship, her and Arya. Yeah, sort of like talk like they kind of don't like each other, but there's this sort of respect between them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and everything. And Arya got her moment. You know, she had oh. her weapon, and she was doing some doing some work until she, she got, was like, super a, impressive at first. Until she got, like, a concussion. Yeah, and then, then she's kind of running around in the library, mm-hmm. which that was a kind of strange scene where everybody's walking around quietly trying to hide from I mean, each that's, other. that's very good for a library, yeah. though. It is, it the, is. The yeah. zombie librarian <laughs> probably would have come out and tried to do something if they were making too much noise. I like that part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was good. I just, you know, and the whole Arya thing, that's like a lot, a lot of people are upset about that. I've Some people that. Are, yeah. are upset not because like Arya did it, they're just upset like how it was like portrayed, they're just like upset that Arya did it. There's some people that are upset that Arya did it because she has no connection to that 
whole plot. Like, she basically found out about it, like, essentially, like, five minutes prior. And John's been doing this whole... Yeah, everybody thought Beyond John should be the one to be the big hero taking and even down on the Night af- King. And even yeah. on the after credits, right. like, the the showrunners basically said that everyone would have expected it to be John, and we made mm-hmm. the choice for it not to be John. Well, there, it almost but there was a prophecy that Arya, kind of that implied that Arya might yeah. be the one. <clears throat> Alessandra commented mm-hmm. once before that she was going to slay three people, uh, three well, brown eyes, blue eyes, and, and green, green eyes. Yeah. Well, brown eyes was... Uh, what Was it the Frey? Yeah, Walter, Walter. Frey. Mm-hmm. Blue eyes is obviously mm-hmm. the Night, Night King. King. And now there's speculation, of course, is the green eyes mm-hmm. would be Cersei. Mm-hmm. So those are the... I mean, if she kills all three of those yeah. people, that's... Yeah, I mean, definitely, because they did say that they'd known for three years that Arya was going to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting because I'm not sure. It, 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 I don't know. Did you watch the after the credits stuff? Like when they were talking about like all their choices? No, I didn't watch that one this but year. But it made it sound like. I should. It made it sound like they might be going a different direction than Martin was going. Mm-hmm. Sort of left it open for interpretation. Mm. But I know that they had a meeting and like the big things that happened, I think Martin has told them. Because like, I think he knows right. what the basic like big stuff but he just doesn't know how to get there mm-hmm. so I think a whole lot of stuff that's happened like I think Arya killing the Night King probably is going to happen in the books too might happen in a different way right but I think that's yeah. sort of like the big broad stroke that Arya is going to be the one to do it um, and everything and yeah I mean there's another just that whole scene of it happening with the, the music like there was like a cello I don't even think there's been a cello in the in Game of Thrones before just like the whole Music of them. No, the whole music like, the whole, really like, made that battle spectacular. Basically, no dialogue for the last like no. twenty minutes, so just like a really good score and just some pretty good cinematography of like you know people fighting for what amounts to really a lot of nothing. Like Theon redeemed himself in the end. Oh, you know that one thing I didn't mm-hmm. notice, and, and I heard you have to rewatch it because it's a very brief scene when John distracts Viserion in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Are you? is in the background running past because hmm. Viserion is protecting the back of mm-hmm. the Night King who's in the grove. Mm-hmm. He, he distracts Viserion and then Arya runs by. He makes some little brief comment. I couldn't, hmm. if you blink. I think could, I did, you, my wife mentioned that. Yeah. But I didn't, like we didn't watch back, we didn't, I didn't watch it that thoroughly. Yeah. But it kind of makes sense. So John did produce something that helped his sister yeah. to, to achieve the goal of stopping that, the Night King. And there was that so. one, obviously, that one cut with the White Walker's hair, you know, sort of like that mm-hmm. gust. Mm-hmm. And then it was sort of like cut to her jumping and trying to get the Night King. And then she'd hit her little Brienne. Because it was so unexpected, her jumping out like It was that. unexpected. Because you thought, well, the brand's dead now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was really clever. Like, especially, I remember, you know, people are just whatever, but I remember this one comment someone said like apparently when Steven Spielberg was adapting Jaws like the author was still alive he's like I don't really like how this you're ending the movie like I don't think it's right and Steven Spielberg's like well I've basically made a really good movie up until that point like I have him in the palm of my hand I can do anything I want like that's basically what happened with this Arya moment like I don't think anyone really saw it coming but when you watch it in the moment like you just couldn't help but feel like super excited Mm -hmm. and then like there was like that five seconds of like, uh oh, maybe this isn't gonna go the way I thought it was gonna go. Right. And then like goes back to like, oh, this is actually happening. That's good suspense. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's good yeah. filmmaking. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And stuff like at the time, and then people sort of get off from the high of the episode. And then and you go back and reflect and say, oh, they're like, well, yeah. maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. as you know good as I thought it was gonna be right. or whatever. But I think 
ultimately with you know a show that's far surpassed the books I think you know there's no really winning with some of the fans of the series yeah because they've been invested in for so long and they have all these theories about how it's going to end well I think a lot of us were pretty much surprised that we were going to be doing the penultimate episode the great threat all along has been winter is coming the Mm -hmm. night king surpasses all other threats all your petty squabbles mean nothing in the ultimate and here we are three episodes to go and we've already resolved the ultimate threat it looks like yeah i think that's the thing is like the ultimate threat is always i think has always been the white walkers Mm -hmm. but i think the stuff that seems like always been like the crux of the show is like just the the bitterness and whatever of humanity, like not being able to like set aside differences. Yeah. All for a chair that really doesn't matter. Like <clears throat> that seems and obviously like character motivation is always good and to have a silent protagonist, it's like good for a horror movie. But for a show like Game of Thrones, like it's sort of like boring. You're like, oh well, I know Cersei's motivations and I know all the stuff that Cersei's done to get well, to where we've never she's known at. the Night King's other than Night King just wiped out all there. humanity, basically. And Bran yeah. basically said that he just wants to destroy all of you know, humanity. It's like, okay, you know, that's like threatening, but it's sort of boring from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. Um, but Cersei's sort of been around since the beginning. Obviously, the White, like the Night King, was introduced later on. But Cersei's been around for the very beginning, and everything that she's done has basically led to her being where she's at. Like so that she's basically willing to do anything to remain in power, and I think for a protagonist like or antagonist like that, it's more exciting for that to be the final thing than the White Walkers. That's possible. I, I it just seems it it. I guess it's we talked so much about it before how we thought the Night King would be down there at mm-hmm. the finale. That's how we thought the whole series would end. And so once again, the, so the producers have gone away that we didn't expect. So maybe that's a good mm-hmm. thing. We'll have to see. I yeah. have to watch these next three episodes, final three episodes, mm-hmm. and see. Yeah, what the it'll best be. Way, so. It would be interesting because I feel like, you know, next episode is probably going to be a lot of like laying the groundwork again, again for, for the next, the next the battle. Because I know mm-hmm. the director of this episode, uh, Miguel Sapatnik, Sapashink or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he does all the big battle episodes. He's doing episode five. Mm-hmm. Which is probably going to be the battle like King's Landing, so basically everything's going to be resolved, so to speak, after Episode Five. I feel like Episode Six is going to be like that whole epilogue type thing where everyone's sort of picking up the pieces, trying to figure out what to do from there. I feel like that's what I feel like it's going to happen. I don't think they'll have an extended battle that goes over two episodes. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't kill very many characters. Only basically secondary characters, which I think a lot of people were shocked by because they really expected more of a, a body count. I wonder if they'll have more of a body count in the f- next battle at King's Landing, assuming there is one at King's Landing. I mean, so. there there probably will be because, like, I think with you know battles, like when you're battling humans, there's a whole lot more stuff coming at you, mm. so to speak. Like the White Walkers, they'll just you know, bum rush, but like when you're battling humans, you, waves, have, you yeah. have like bows and arrows, you have like spears, you have a whole bunch of stuff like coming in like all directions that you know most likely going to get you. But the White Walkers are kind of just you know one move. That's basically all they got. Yeah. When you're fighting against like hardened you know army veterans, like there's a whole bunch more you know more likelihood that you'll die. And the weapons that they different use, tactics will be used yeah. too. Probably and the weapons tactics. that they use are more like more likely to be effective. Yeah. Um, and they're also 
they're also attacking, not defending. So I think that also basically means that it's going to be a little bit different because when you're defend when you're defending something, you have a little bit of an advantage. Like you have the walls, you have like all the siege weapons, so to speak. When you're attacking, sort of like at the mercy of the defense, because like everyone's you're just like basically trying to hope that you can get through the wall of King's Landing before everyone gets slaughtered by bows and arrows. Well, it certainly seems like, like also Danny's forces will be heavily outnumbered because she suffered such yeah. horrendous losses here, losing all her mm-hmm. Dothraki. Her Unsullied probably lost enormous mm-hmm. losses too, so mm-hmm. her army is going to be going in at a, a, a much weaker if, if she yeah. has, when she goes to King's but Landing. But I still so. think the Iron, like her, her teaming up with Euron just seems like a weird strategy because like the Ironborn aren't really good on land. Yeah. But then again, she does have the Golden Company. See, now I read about that too. A lot of people, are, some people have speculated that that possibly Tyrion has secretly bought out the Golden Company. Hmm. And they may switch sides somewhere in the battle and join with Danny's forces. I'm not sure how he'd be able to afford it, though. I'm uh, not sure. I don't know, but that's... It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, the Golden Company is renowned for never backing down from a... Once they make a contract right. with someone, they keep it. But I feel like that's different when there's dragons. Like, I think they'll see dragons and be like... Um, yeah, no way. We're good. We're just going to go back to SOS, guys. We're fine. Here's your money. We're out of here. Because, like, even yeah. though that the the contingency forces are depleted, they still have two dragons, which are plenty to basically do enough damage for them to probably whatever. But, yeah, I, I mean, I suspect that a whole bunch of other characters are... Because who's left... John and Daenerys, you know, I feel like one of them is going to go. Still, I still think it's Daenerys. I'm not so. I'm not quite so sure anymore. I, I kind of think that the the producers are going the other way, and it, I'm sure there'll be some deaths, but I don't think it's going to be as bloody as a lot of people seem. No, to think I still now. think majority because I think you know, like we we talked about Lord of the Rings a lot. Like most of the char- main characters in Lord of the Rings survive. Yeah, I feel like the same is going to be true for this. Yeah, but I still think probably like. There's what I'm not even sure how many main main characters are left or characters that we've known for a while. Mm-hmm. But Varys, I think Varys is probably gonna die because Melisandre, you know, sort of talked about how you know they're both gonna die in Westeros. Hmm. Um, so and he hasn't really done much of anything this season. He's sort of just been kinda, in the he kind of hid in the crypts. Uh, well, he, he's been like in every yeah. episode, but he hasn't really had done much to do. Right, like, yeah. He hasn't really had Small many small little lines and bits. Yeah. But I also think it'd be kind of interesting if. You know, Varys goes, like, it also makes a little bit of sense if Tyrion goes, too, because, like, they're sort of, like, that whole old guard of Westeros, and they're, like, th- like a new phase is ushering in in Westeros, and, like, there's not going to be room for them for that old ways of thinking. Hmm. No, um, I, I think Tyrion will survive, I predict. I, think, I hope I, Tyrion survives, yeah, just because, you know, it'd be just interesting how, because, like, I don't know. He hasn't really, he's put himself really for, to Daenerys, Sansa can vouch for him so him dying would be a pretty big surprise yeah i, I don't think any of the stark children except for maybe john or, or he might die but everybody else i think almost all the stark children that are left are going to survive so mm-hmm. yeah but cersei's not making it no euron's not making it nope. even though he almost doesn't even count as a character at this point he's just sort of a named character that we know yeah he said like five things the whole time did you think theon redeemed himself i think so it was like a Boromir moment, mm-hmm. you know. Even though Boromir didn't really sell 
didn't do anything as bad as Theon did, but I think Theon did. I think he did a whole lot of good. So he got his sister back. I think his sister's probably going to recapture. He bought time for Arya to get into position so she could mm-hmm. jump the Night King. Yeah, so. even if that wasn't, like, stated, it was pretty much implied that, like, that little whatever. His charge. Like, gave mm-hmm. him enough time. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then he, he rescued his sister. I think Yara's probably going to have you, some part in unite the, the Iron Islands yeah. for Daenerys more, yeah. and then Yara probably will kill Euron, which would be fitting. I think. Be, uh, yeah, I'd like to see um, that. And then, so Euron's not making it. Cersei won't make it. Jamie, Jamie's tough because I feel like Jamie and Brienne are sort of like getting to that point where like they feel like they could like settle down afterwards. Yeah, I really thought they would um, die in this episode. If they didn't die in this one, I, I boy, it'd be really cruel to kill them at the mm-hmm. very end at King's Landing. <laughs> um, but yeah, just I just don't know. I think with after, since like this third episode, like there's just so much left in the air. Yeah, and I think that subverting expectations now is not killing characters like before. It was like let's kill these characters because we had this blueprint, and now it's like everyone expects people to die. They're like let's just keep them alive mm. or whatever. But it just it's tough to say. Yeah, but I don't know because I feel like feel like Sansa. I don't know. Sansa wouldn't even go south. Maybe she would. Maybe because that's what northerners do. Like, she'll be there for her people, even though she has no actual reason to be there. Because she's not, like, a military commander. She can't fight. (laughs) So her being there just seems like a waste. But she'll probably go down there anyway. And Arya, too. Like, Arya, I think Arya... If any of the Stark kids, I think Arya is to be the one that's most likely to go. I Mm. think. Mm. But... That's just me. I think it'd just be a interesting answer. I, I think for her. she still has something big to do, and I think that's probably going to be her killing Cersei. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, it'll be interesting if she does kill Cersei. I wonder if she'd kill Cersei with Jamie's face, because that'll be like an interesting. That'll be a way to sort of like fulfill the prophecy, mm-hmm. but also sort of like have like almost two prophecies in one. But then again, prophecy seems to be sort of a thing on this show that doesn't really matter, or if it's very not as literal as people think. Uh, especially with that whole Azor Ahai, it seems like that whole thing is like out the window now with the Night King being dead and all that stuff. So it seems like the whole prophecy thing might not be as ironclad as people suspected it to be for so long. Well, I've heard some people say that they think the producers might still pull another twist or something and there might be some other big threat that was behind the Night King who was the Night King's boss who might mm-hmm. still have some part to show up and play in the... I don't know. I'm not sure if they could do that in three the three remaining episodes. There's just so much to do. But mm-hmm. it'd be interesting if maybe if they had some little twist like that. But I think it'd be interesting. But I think I don't know. I think it's just yeah, three episodes. I don't think they could do yeah. that with the Night King. I could see them ending. Everything's happy. Then sort of like it cuts to like the North again, and then you see like a Walker like mm-hmm. with blue eyes just sort of still alive and then yeah. it basically implies that the cycle's going to repeat itself yeah sort of but you know there'll be like thousands of years of calm before that happens but right. i still think that would be sort of like a bittersweet end so to speak that there's still one mm-hmm. or two left to continue the or somehow brand becomes a night king or something like that maybe that's uh, that's like the next uh evolution of brand he'd be the three-eyed raven just becomes the next night king and the night king was actually the good guy all along because he was trying to prevent the cycle from repeating itself. That's a possibility. <laughs> but I don't know. But then again, we don't know because that's with, you know, those, you know, silent protagonists, 
Yeah. It's, you know, we can't really do anything. And obviously brand could be fooling everybody because nobody uh, understands his powers. He yeah, I don't think so, though. I think, he's, <clears throat> I think he is the, the champion representing the, uh, what's the, the good God that, uh, that they've been, been out um, there. Well, I don't know because I think he's. I think that power is connected to the old gods. Yeah. Like the North. Like I'm not sure they never were named. They're just called like right. the old gods. Yeah. The first men. Melisandre was following like uh, Lord of Light. Lord of Light. Who seems to ha- be pretty. Well, pretty, he has uh, some evidence of his existence yeah. since he's able to bring back the dead. Yeah. Like uh, and you know light people like Eric light swords on fire and mm-hmm. friends on fire. And magic keeps up Melisandre young for so long. Right. Um, and then there's, like, the Gods of the Seven, which sort of have been around the whole show, but doesn't seem like they dabble too much in prophecy because I think they're newer, mm-hmm. so they're not as concerned with all that stuff. But it's it just yeah, interesting. And, and the Night King was the champion of whatever the dark side was. They're the opposite of the Lord of Light. So. Yeah, because he, he was created by the Children of the Forest right. to fight the men. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, you know, men, you know, I think that's sort of like the whole metaphor. It's like men are their own worst enemy. Yeah. Like, they only... So I think the Night King is just a manifestation of that whole bigger issue. Like, humanity can't get along, and he's just a representation of that small fact. It's like, yeah, they, they're always going to be squabbling over petty stuff. They can't get along. And Night King's just sort of like... The bigger piece of that because he was just created to fight the men mm-hmm. for the children of the forest and that went awry and then he was like well I'm just going to kill everybody now <laughs> well but, it sure looked like he tried <laughs> yeah I don't know like it seems like that are there any children of the forest left I felt like there might have been some left but I guess you know maybe they're not going to play a, a role in, in all of this I haven't seen any since the episode where Hodor was revealed mm-hmm. what his backstory was and that was that know, was season six yes yeah, Two seasons ago, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, but yeah, if only three episodes left. Like, I really feel like it's going to be episode, next episode, like groundwork for King's Bat, King's Landing battle. Episode five, the Battle of King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Episode six, like the the reprieve, the coda, and then it's going to end on some, you know, sour note, so to speak. Like everyone's happy, but like as I guess the viewers are going to be the ones that are going to know there's something up in the air. And then it's just going to you know, fade to black, soprano style. Soprano style. And then be done. Well, I don't know if they want to do that again. Boy, HBO took a lot of flack for that. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's been better received now. I think, you know, I think everything at the moment always seems, like, bad. And then, like, you wait a few years, or, and then you watch it again, you're like, oh, this is exactly how it should end. I think Soprano's ending has grown on a lot of people. Mm. I think everything does with the time. I think Game of Thrones will... People will come and look at it, look back at it. Even if Martin does finish his books, they're going to be like, you know, this is actually a pretty good adaptation. They did a whole lot with a whole, not a whole lot of roadmap, yeah. and they still ended up making a pretty good show. Yeah, I, I agree, but like I said, I, I think you're going to see a lot of complaints. No matter what the re- end result is, there's going to be a lot of complaints at the uh, mm-hmm. at the end, at least initially. So. I think so. But the end, for sure, the end end is going to be 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. To what Martin wants. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, obviously, like, the journey is going to be different. But the ending, for sure, is going to be whatever Martin wants the ending to be. It's going to be the ending that the showrunners choose. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, it's just tough. Especially that the whole storylines that are not in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, how he's going to wrap all that up. Mm-hmm. 
I will have to see. But it's thing. it's exciting, you know. Obviously, you know, having an adaptation of something like this is nice. But also, if you're really invested in the world and the characters, like you have, hopefully, you'll have the books and you can get more of the meat and potatoes that way. Mm. Um, but it's just tough to say because he's got so much stuff going on with like the prequel series that's been cast already. So it's just tough. I feel like he. I almost feel like the books might never come out at this point. <laughs> It's been like eight years since the last one came out, mm-hmm. um, but I've enjoyed the show. Like obviously, I think there's certain things that were cut out probably because they needed to get bogged down with just convoluted mess. Well, um, even look at Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to cut out a bunch of stuff in there too. Just I mean, three movies you can't you can't even with really long movies you can only put so much in there yeah. to get to the heart of a story and keep. Yeah, because they're different. They're different mediums. I mean, books yeah. you could basically do anything you want with a book because it's just at the reader's leisure you can put all that detail. Right. And I think book readers like that sort of stuff when you're making a show or a Absolutely, movie. Absolutely, yeah. has to be a little bit more. Thematic, and yes, it has to like resonate with more people because right. there's gonna be more people that are watching it than are gonna be reading it. So you have to have a much broader stroke to appeal to the most people. And I think the majority of people that watch Game of Thrones like it for what it is. Like I think you know they like speculating about the show or whatever, but not as like the book readers speculate about everything. Like they can pick an individual sentence and write like a essay about it, what it means in the future. Mm-hmm. I think you know those people are always going to be sort of disappointed just because, they, like I said, they've invested so much time and effort into analyzing the text and everything that it doesn't go their way. It's just like, oh, well. There's complaints about fan service as well, but, you know, really this whole show after the books came out, it's almost all, you could say it's technically all fan fiction, except for, like, the big parts, but, like, because George R. R. Martin mentioned that, like, he's not somebody that does, like, actual hard like outlines he likes to let them grow organically on their own so he doesn't like outlining everything to the T he just sort of like likes to write and see where the characters go so I think that's sort of like always been a problem with adapting a show from a writer that's like that because like even if you would ask him it's like what does Arya do here it's like I don't know I haven't figured that out yet mm-hmm. he just sort of comes up with it as he's writing which I think is you know there's no bad way to write but I think when you're trying to adapt a show I'm sure the showrunners get frustrated no, I'm with, sure. uh, uh. with all that. And then they get, and then they have to deal with the backlash because it didn't go exactly the way people want. But I liked it. It was good. There wasn't, that Arya moment was pretty, you know, pretty epic. I haven't felt like that on a TV show or a movie in, in a while. And I think that's sort of like the power of, you know, TV and cinema, like if you can get someone to get on your edge of your seat, something like that, they've accomplished what they set out to do. Almost as impressive as Arya's moment of destroying the Night King was little Lyanna dying but taking down that uh, undead giant with mm-hmm. her. That was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely. Even more impressive maybe than what her cousin Sir Juro mm-hmm. doing, helping keep Danny alive out in the field as he was as they were being swarmed by mm-hmm. all the uh, yeah. All the undead. Yeah, Jorah so. Jorah was Jorah was gone. He he died fittingly though. Oh so, yeah, like very saving fitting. Daenerys. Mm-hmm. It's basically his been his whole mo since episode one was being her advisor, protector. Even though he strayed a little bit, mm-hmm. he always eventually came back to Daenerys. So it was fitting. You know, the big guys like Theon and Jorah were like the two 
main characters that you know that went and I think that their arcs were pretty pretty solid arcs they didn't yeah they, they definitely finished what they needed to do yeah and then the side characters that sort of went like Ed and Beric and Melisandre you know obviously they fulfilled their parts too but we just didn't spend as much time with them they were sort of always well they're always secondary kind characters. of just there yeah obviously I think Melisandre was more of a major character in the earlier seasons mm. then she always sort of took a step back after you know the whole Stannis thing was resolved she didn't really have much left to do yeah and Ed was just a familiar face we knew from the Night's Watch with John, but you know he's been around for a while he had kind of a sad death. He really, I mean, saving <laughs> Sam, and, you know. Yeah. Poor Sam. He just wanted to help, and he just... He's more of a burden on the battlefield yeah. than help. Though I guess at the end he was he was doing what he could, so, you know. Yeah. And he survived. He did survive. So. Sam the Slayer. Yeah. He killed the first White Walker. If it wasn't for Sam, they wouldn't have been able to win that battle. They wouldn't have known that Dragonglass would be effective. Yeah. And who knows, maybe him, like, stabbing all the zombie ankles slowed him down enough for the other characters to <laughs> to finish him off or something. Yeah. But, yeah, and I definitely I definitely thought, and the crypts, like, everybody was sort of right about the crypts, that all the dead Stark bodies were going to come back and cause some, some havoc, mm-hmm. and that definitely happened. And there was that Sansa Tyrion moment in the crypts where you thought that they maybe were going to you know, bite it. You're like, well, let's just go out our way. And then they didn't do that. Mm. But, like, that whole Sansa-Tyrion relationship has always been pretty, pretty interesting. I hope that... There's, like, people saying that they might even get together at the end, which would be... I don't know if it would be fitting, but it would be interesting. It's like Sansa has only known, you know, bad men, sort mm. of, in her life, and Tyrion's been the best one to her. Hmm. Um, but, yeah... Three episodes, like three hours left of content, and Cersei's still around. Cersei just has not been doing anything this season. She's sort of been there, I guess. Well, I think she's going to have hers in the back half, obviously. So. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think that's what they've been setting up for. I wonder if it's going to be more Cersei-centered, mm-hmm. like, because I don't really feel the like... The previews kind of implied that for next week's episode, Sunday's episode, mm-hmm. so we'll Because, like, there's not really much left for Daenerys and John and all those guys left to do, except to... Clean go up. down, maybe go down there, clean up all the mess that's down there. Too <laughs> hate to be a janitor. I went to show this this week. Yeah. That's uh, not good. that's not a very good job. Yeah, but the Undertaker's gonna be really busy like till he retires. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I guess you know we'll see if Cersei's actually pregnant. Um, what she'll do with Euron. Yeah. Um, and all that stuff, what the Golden Company is going to be able to do, like if they're actually going to mean anything at the end. I think they will. I think they could. I I, th- I have a feeling they're going to play some big part. Mm-hmm. And Bronn's still around too. Like we, like Bronn still has to maybe kill Tyrion and Jaime. Like that sort of has been lingering in the background. Could so be. we have no idea what's going to happen with that. Could be. Yeah. So it's just interesting how all these all these storylines are finally converging into one point after eight seasons, hmm. and. There's three episodes left to, for them to finish all that stuff, but I guess there's really not much left to finish. Okay. Night King's gone, Cersei's on the throne, and they don't want her to be. And then we'll see what happens after that. Okay. But so, what are you? What are your theories? Who's 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 in your Deadpool? I no. guess by the end of the show. Pretty much the ones we just talked about, Cersei for sure. Cersei. And mm-hmm. as far as our heroes. 
I just I can't. I really thought a lot more would have died in the in the previous battle. So mm-hmm. I'm beginning to think the producers are going to go the opposite direction and, and keep as many alive as possible. I, I'm sure there'll be one or two that'll be, you know, sad. And mm-hmm. the, but I don't think it's going to be as high a body count as as a, a lot mm-hmm. of people have predicted. So okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely Cersei. You're um, I think Jamie, I think Jamie's gone. Maybe I think so. And I still, I still, I'm still clinging on to Daenerys, but it's tough to say, especially when they did that Jenny of Old Old Stone song. It's like from the last episode. Mm-hmm. Let's make it seem like John and Daenerys are gonna figure out the difference, and like one of them's gonna step aside for the other one instead of like one dying horribly or accidentally. But I still, I still think that would be something that's gonna happen. So I'm gonna stick to it. I'm gonna stick to it, and when we do our Era podcast, we're just gonna be like we were wrong on everything. <laughs> I hope we are actually. That'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be interesting if we were wrong about. I, I like to be surprised. I I I really mm-hmm. do hope that we have a yeah. bunch of surprises that producers throw our way because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of boring when you watch a show and you can predict what's going to yeah, happen that, the next week and that's, and yeah, that's what like, happens. Speaking of that, sort of like like why people are upset is because like they just didn't know what was going on, but like. If you tell people what's going to happen, if like if Bram was like, lose all the yeah, it's like if Bram was like, well, what's going to happen is all these characters are going to die. Arya's going to come up and get the Night King, and we're going to be happy. It's like, and then it happens. You're like, well, this wasn't fun. Yeah, that was boring. That was boring. (laughs) But yeah, so I think you know that suspense is what keeps you know at least it's that's like the most interesting part is just you never really know what to expect. Yeah, and even if you guessed it right, like I still think if it was happening exactly the way you planned it, it'd still be fun to watch as it's happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back next week for episode four, and hopefully we could have some more some more coworkers no, that talk about this. Because I think we're getting an extra an extra body in here would be beneficial to the podcast. I know you. So we'll see you next week. And I know you. He said we'd meet again. And here we are. At the end of the world. He said I'd shut many eyes forever. You were right about that too. Brown eyes. Green eyes. And blue eyes.